When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. So Mark makes clear in this story of the first Easter that these three women are headed for the tomb expecting to find a dead body. They are not expecting a resurrection. They're taking spices to anoint Him as was the custom of the day. Of course, if you had been with them and seen what had happened, that Jesus had been arrested and tortured and crucified, you had seen Him dead and then put into a tomb, it would be normal to be grieving and to be going toward the tomb expecting to find a dead body. Going back to the place of burial, we would expect to find the body still there. And yet, by the time we get to verse 4 in this text, you can tell that there's something else going on, something beyond their expectations. In verse 4 it says, When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. Something was going on. They were wondering who was going to move the stone and it's already moved. And then in verse 5, something even more surprising. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. Just think, messenger from God. And they were alarmed. But of course they are alarmed. They're going in their grief expecting to find their friend who has been crucified laying there dead and not only is he not there but somebody else is in the tomb the young man speaks to them in verse 6 and says do not be alarmed you are looking for jesus of nazareth who was crucified he has been raised he is not here they are Surprised, they're startled, they are alarmed about what is going on. But I can understand that. I experience this at home fairly often. Well, to a a much more minor degree. But I, I get startled. I'm deep in thought or I'm reading something and my wife walks in and speaks and I jump and gasp. And she says, who were you expecting? We're the only two who live here. Or I come around a corner and she's standing there and I don't know where my mind is, but I'm startled that she's in the house. 
It's easy to be startled. I don't know about you, but I'm sure if I was with them, I would have been startled and alarmed. I would be freaking out a little bit. Maybe you would have that same experience if in the midst of the grief of losing a friend that you love for or a relative and you go to the place of burial and the body is gone. Mark tells us in verse 8, despite what the young man in white has said to them, that terror and amazement seized them. That they were seized by terror and amazement. And of course they would have been particularly the terrified part. They have already seen so many terrible things happen in just the last few days. And now, as they go to try to process their grief, something else has happened. Something else appears to have gone wrong. Terror and amazement seize them. And I want us to think a minute about the amazement part. I can understand the terror... Maybe they were just amazed that the stone was rolled away or the body gone. But I think Mark is trying to tell us that something more is going on here when he tells us that they were amazed. Now remember that these twelve disciples that Jesus has selected followed Him around. But not only the twelve, but there was also a band of others. We're told in the Gospels, women were traveling with them as well. These women are part of that band. They have been with Jesus and they have heard Him speak about what is going to happen. He has told them that He will suffer and die and then be raised on the third day. At the time, they don't seem to comprehend what He is saying. And as you read through the Gospel stories, you can see why Jesus has been teaching He's been preaching. He's been healing. He's been drawing big crowds. He's been feeding the masses. Things are going really well. The popular following is growing. It's gotten so big, in fact, that Peter, his lead disciple, says, Jesus of Nazareth, You are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting on. This is the time. And right after that, in this Gospel story from Mark, that Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah, he begins to teach them something new. It's in chapter 8, in verse 31 and following. Jesus begins to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. 
But it seems that they have forgotten that He said this. But surely, once the young man in the white robe in the tomb tells them what has happened, they would have been struck by the memory that He told them all about this. Mark says they were seized by this revelation. Jesus has been raised. He was right. It happened just as He said. And yet it's such a radical and unfathomable experience that it is difficult for them and for us to grasp. Truly it is hard to grasp the future. It can be so difficult to see what is coming. We can find the evidence of this throughout history. I've gone back and pulled out a few times when people made statements they were sure about. See what you think. We can go back to 1876. There was a memo written at Western Union about a new invention. It said this, this telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. It has no value to us. In 1895, one of the smartest people in England, then president of the Royal Society, said, heavier than air flying machines are impossible. Or maybe you saw in our church paper this week one of the little historical tidbits that soon after this congregation was founded, it began to grow. Founded in 1893, began to flourish. And there was a Creek Indian rancher who owned lots of property around here, Mr. Perryman. He offered the congregation the property in downtown Tulsa from what would be Main Street to Detroit, from 5th Street to 8th Street. And guess what the people in the congregation said? That's way too far out of town to be useful to anyone. We would own half of downtown if they could have seen the future. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen. In 1943, chairman of IBM famously says, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. Or finally this one, a leader in digital communication says there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. But Jesus has predicted what's going to happen. He has predicted what was about to happen in chapter 8 of Mark, in chapter 9, again in chapter 10. He's told them three times He's going to suffer and die and be raised on the third day. But His vision of what was coming was so difficult, perhaps even impossible, for them to comprehend. It may still be hard for some of us today. But there they are standing in an empty tomb. And it begins to dawn on them. Surely now, it has seized them. Jesus was right. He did suffer. He did die. And He was raised on the third day. It's amazing that God has revealed this to us, that this is the way of, king, of the kingdom of God, that life can come even out of death. It's the amazing power 
of God's love at work beyond our comprehension. It is the paradox of the Gospel. A couple of weeks ago, we read from the Gospel of John where Jesus is trying to explain this to His disciples. And He uses the image of a grain of wheat. He says, you know, if you just hold on to this grain, it remains a single grain. But if you put it in the ground and it dies, then it will sprout again and bear much fruit. And I suggested to you that Jesus was trying to change the context of how we view our lives. He was trying to say, step back, see the larger view. Try to grasp the spiritual dimensions of what God is doing. God is doing more. And Jesus invites us to adopt God's perspective. In that same sermon... I shared with you one of my favorite hymns. It's in the hymnal number 311. It uses that same image of a grain of wheat sprouting. I read the first two verses that week. I want to read to you verse 3 and 4 before we close because the author captures it so poetically. He writes this, Forth He came at Easter like the risen grain. Jesus, who for three days in the grave had lain, Quick from the dead, my risen Lord is seen. Love is come again like wheat that springeth green. When our hearts are wintry, grieving, or in pain, Jesus' touch can call us back to life again. Fields of our hearts that dead and bare have been Love is come again like wheat that springeth green. On this Easter Sunday morning, my friends, we're to be here as an Easter people to hear this great good news of God's love transcending even death. He has been raised. It's the proclamation of the good news for one and all. God's love is alive and at work in the world. God's love can see you through all things, through all grief and pain, all ups and downs, all failures and foibles. God is with us and God can see us through. God's love can lead us all the way because God's love, it is the way. For indeed, Christ the Lord is risen today. Amen.